weeks ago had me teach a lesson about how children, about how children can hear the word of the Lord. And in one of the things that we have to be teaching our children is teaching them how to worship. And until we know that worship is for his ears to draw him closer to us, we can start hearing the words of the Lord. And we did an exercise building the kids, building them in getting to worship because worship is about tarrying. You have to tarry. We stand here and worship, and the first time I understood worship, I was getting tired. And worship is tarrying through until you hit the third heaven. And you know, when you hit that third heaven, that's when you can find the mysteries of God. And he shares with you the things that he needs to lead you into. Because we, have, we live on the first heaven. We have to deal with the second heaven. But we want to achieve being up in the third heaven where God and our sanctifier, Jesus, brings us right up to there so we can know. And that's tarrying. Sometimes worship is work, prayer, work. We have an intercessor in the back, work. We have to tarry at it. For him, it's for him. And there's a song that I found, and the Lord had me sing this song in worship over and over. Does he ever do that to y'all? Over and over. And it is, I will sing. And it says, I will sing of your great love, worshiping to him. I will stand, stand in wonder of what you've done in this life with my song testify i will live and not die to declare declaring him as the victory lord you are good and i will sing your mercy endures it's everlasting lord you are good and i will sing a song of worship and what we did with the children when we had them is we played the first verse how many of you have ever worshiped And you start off, and you didn't even think one thing of the song, and you weren't thinking one thing of the Lord. You were thinking about your day. That's tarrying. We have to get through and break through that. And let me tell you, I remember when I started, I had that little iPod. I'd start a song, and then I realized I didn't hear one word. Start over again. Start over again. And so teaching our youth, we're teaching them to tarry by repeat. And by repeat, and by repeat. And don't you love it when you break through, and even though your, your, your arms are tired, but then you don't feel it anymore? Yeah, amen. Praise the Lord, right? You raise those hands. You, my arms, they've gotten, you know, in two years. And it's all from praise. People ask me, how did you lose? Hey, the Lord says, love him with all your heart, your mind, and your soul, and your body. So we have to be able to tear through this. And then he makes you become what he wants you to be. So you can speak for him. So people will want to hear his words through you. It's so beautiful. I love the verse when it says, I will sing of your mercy. I will sing of your love. I will sing of your tenderness and tell the wonders of. Until we become strong, mind, body, and soul, we're not telling any wonders. We got to be worshiping him. And the worship, and you know what? I will tell you, you know, coming from the Episcopal Church for so many years, singing the hymns, I, didn't, I mean, I, sometimes I feel that little spirit in me, but not like this ministry where I have learned worship, worship, worship. I feel crazy sometimes. But I want to read this. We have a book here. It's called The References for Life. I know that you just started coming, and I think you just got this this evening. 
The References Life is a book that in worship, Mr. Hall was downloaded scripture in a particular order. And any time that we're in worship and prayer, it has in the outline things that can help us because we don't have every verse memorized, but sometimes we have to know, we have to speak his word, just like the prayer before we worship, the prayer we just read, that prayer on that paper that I read to you, all that was just scripture. But there's power in the, his word. You know, and the Lord wants to hear us. He wants to hear what we have to say. But if you want power, you say the, say the word. And I love this book because I have used this so many times. When I first came to this ministry, I had this laid in bed with me. And anytime I was dealing with any one of these things, I'd always ask God. And then I'd find the thing that I really needed, whether it was healing or help or I felt like I needed love or peace. And then I would read the scriptures in order and read them out loud. And even if the first time I didn't feel anything, I went and read them a second time to build and tarry through because I want to be in that third heaven. Because once I really got in that third heaven the first time, oh, and you know, that was like, it even says in the word, we should approach God like children. And there is also a verse in Ephesians about the awe of him. The awe of him. And I can, I, I, even to this day, and Bernice has known me now since I've been in this ministry, I still have the awe. Because when I hit that third heaven, and he is starting to show me and heal me and change me from the inside out, it's just beautiful. Because I see that in others. Rita has been here as long as I've been here. I have seen people change. But the Lord really worked on me this. We had guest Siddiqui that came in, and... During those four days, you know, it was a hardcore focus. Get out of debt, get out of debt, get out of debt. But one of the things, and, it, and, 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 and his will lack, will perish because of lack of knowledge. The Lord kept reading this scripture to me over and over again. The scripture is, he who does not love, does not, does not love, does not know God. For God is love, point. 1 Corinthians 13, though we speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become a sounding brass or clanging cymbal. Because though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all the mysteries and have all the knowledge, and though I have all the faith that I could remove mountains, but have not love, and who's that saying? I don't have God. I have nothing. We can sit in this scripture and we can learn knowledge, which has its place. But if we can't get the love for him, that it's not about us, and we grow in that love for him, we're getting somewhere. Because he'll pour the knowledge in. We don't have to work to find it. And the more I grow in that third heaven, he gives me knowledge and shows me these principles. And I know in my heart. Because his love becomes my love. My love becomes him. We become one. We can't move. And it, people always say, mm, the accelerated pace is because of love. It is because of love. We just have to be able to surrender it in worship. And then in worship, he draws you to meditation. He draws you to meditation. You get wooed by his word. So every time I get up here and speak, it's amazing. Because today we start with lesson one. Phyllis, lesson one. 
perspective, meaning we, I teach these visions and we teach them till the end and then we start back over with lesson one. But every time I get to start on another lesson, the Lord draws me into something else he wants me to show. And spending worship. Last night we talked all night. I was reading the word. I was really into it. And then what happens? My eyes just rest a little bit and I felt this air just blow on me to wake up. Say, no, 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 stay on this, stay on this. You know what I mean? And then I'm, I'm talking it out in my head. How many times talk to God? As you're talking to God, you're talking it out. And then he's telling me what he's thinking, you know, because I was like, wow, I got to do lesson one again, you know, like meaning I'm getting used to lesson one, but it's got to be fresh. It's got to be fresh. It's going to be fresh for some of you, but for we to me and Verdice, it's a repeat, you know, but it's a good repeat because a Lord always shows you an other way he wants to take you in that lesson and what he wants to teach us. So I love that because I know we all love. So we just have to focus on loving him. and Then we can hear. We can hear clearer through that love. And so the Lord has really pressured me at the measure. I love that word measure. Measure, measure, measure. Measure what is in our heart. Measure what you apply. If you worship and your measure of worship is great, your measure of receiving is great. So when we talked in that financial about sowing and reaping, that applies to your measure of love, to your measure of faith, to your measure of patience, and then tops off the wisdom and all the circumstances around you. It is so beautiful. That's how we become blessed and empowered. It's got to start with love. It's got to start with love. And with love, we're going to talk about a big word tonight, submission. Submission. And it's a word I've always loved. And I always thought that was because I was one of six kids and my dad was a funeral director and he, you know, was very strict. We were seen and not heard. So I just, I learned submission right from the beginning. <laughs> so when it comes to being submissive, it works for me. But we are supposed to be submissive to the Lord. And then we are supposed to be submissive to each other. And then we are supposed to be submissive to our church coverings and understand where our place is. This is the signature card. You could say in marketing, it's the tag. It's the tagline of this ministry, where we have the little, we call it the people chart. And in this people chart, we talk about many, several fold items here. But tonight, we're going to talk about why did Adam go from full glory and how did we get to lost? Because we went to full submission, okay, to no submission and having to live under darkness. And it's kind of, you know, amazing because God's plan for us was to be this. He didn't want us to have to work or labor or to do anything. He wanted us for his enjoyment. Does he still have that goal today? Yes. So our goal is to reach this. But to know how to get to this, we have to understand, how did we start here and get here? And this ministry, we're about working out the saints. We're, you are all saints at this table. And we have to start walking out our salvation, walking out our salvation, because it is a process. And it's sad because we should have always been here, where our spirit and soul were one. But when the fall came, we lost that that right of that spirit. We had to be, we have to invite, confess, acknowledge, and bring it back into ourselves. After Jesus' resurrection, we got that opportunity. But before that, all those people in the Old Testament had to be special if they got the Holy Spirit imparted on them. 
But two ways to look at this. I always say this row is when we learn to love God. And this row is when we learn to love who we are with God. And then we know we've come to the fullness when we learn to love one another in Christ. And that's easy for some people, but harder for others, depending all the things and junk and spots and issues that we're working out. That becomes the hardest row. But it's a progression. And this is, that's why this word is working, I-N-G. That is an action word. We are doing something about it. We're all taking steps, and we are growing day by day, and we're trying to wipe out this darkness. So when I look at the love fold in this, it's amazing. On the sheet, one of the sheets that Gene has, he has, I, should, I have to open this up, actually. They even have a little manual. It's so cute on it. Okay, this is Adam. This is Adam with God, like I already said. Fallen Adam without God. Okay, here he becomes reunited back with God. And then when we get down here, we're just flooded with God. Okay, so it's a step-by-step. And I love how, because we have to know what created the fall and what caused our separation from God because do you ever know when you go through a maze? Oh, let me say, let me how to put it this way. Do you ever have to figure something out, but you had to put it together and you had to take it apart and you had to remember how to put it back together? Okay, so what do we do? We work backwards. Okay? So in this case, sometimes when we have to figure out why the transgression happened, why we have to get work so hard to get to that glory, we have to go back and figure out well, what were the keys? What were the things that caused us? To get there, because if we work backwards, we can pick the three things that caused the transgression of Adam and Eve, and we can keep those things in our mind as we're walking through our salvation, because they are signs to us. They are signs of what causes us to get there, because when we're walking, how many of us have fallen? Right. So when I call it the fall, we have moments where we still fall. Okay, but if we know the pattern of the fall, we can start walking and hitting it. I call it hitting it out of the park. Because now when I feel Satan coming to hit me, you know, and I have moments like, you know, and Verdiz watches me through this because today was one of those days. I actually had a day where I felt like, oh, you know, and then I felt like, oh, do I want to teach tonight? And then I get myself all revved up because Satan was working on me, a lot of work, a lot of things. But then, when I sit there and worship, I just batted it out of the park, because you weren't going to stop me from teaching tonight, you know? We have to talk it down. Okay, the fall caused the separation of God. So let's start with Genesis. If everybody can go to 2.16, 2.16 in Genesis. And I'm going to read it out loud, if you want to just follow along. 2.16 says, The Lord commanded the man saying, you may freely eat of every tree in the garden. Okay? This is the man of glory. This is the time where the Lord created the earth. He spoke it. It was created. And guess what? Adam got to enjoy it. So here the Lord is commanding the man, Adam, saying, you may freely eat of every tree in the garden. Oh, my gosh. Adam is free. He is free. What is our goal? To be free. Genesis 2.17, but, okay, guys, isn't that amazing, buts? You know, I always joke about this. Anything before a but's not true? 
<laughs> because it's got something else to it. So, so there's a but to being free. But of the tree of knowledge of good and evil and blessing and calamity, you shall not eat of it, you shall surely die. Okay, because we knew, so there was one rule. He had one commandment that he had to follow, just one. And we got a list of how many <laughs> later on in this? I mean, he only had one commandment, not to eat from the tree. So God commanded him not to eat from one tree. The tree held good and evil, blessing and calamity. That means in that tree held the secrets that everything that God knew. So the tree of knowledge was everything. They say we perish because we don't have knowledge, okay? But the Lord never wanted us to have all the knowledge. Now we're having to seek it. But in this, good and evil, it's like the power of your tongue. Whatever you speak out, you're sending it to a void of death or you're sending out to the blessing of good. You're speaking life. Why is this? Adam's spirit would die of the relationship with God because God gave him this special relationship with him to enjoy the world. And it wasn't about walking this earth on knowledge. It was about walking the earth on revelation. All Adam had to do was walk and name an animal, walk and do something beautiful. He was creating. He was revelation. Everything was anew. Everything was of a light. And he was growing, and he got to live in all that glory. And here, we have moments where we feel like we're in the wilderness, and we're not getting revelation, you know? He got the revelation every step, every step. So that's why the importance of this, and we can go back to where our walk is in salvation, and we hear the key words, speaking good and evil. We want blessing versus calamity. Well, we want that relation. We have to have that relationship with God. Because we want to live by revelation. We want to know the knowledge, but it, I, it's like I said, it was in the word, Psalms 87, 86, when truth and love meet, righteousness and peace kiss. It's right in the word. So when we get our soul, truth is our spirit. When we get our soul, which is all the things we have to war against, and they start to meet, righteousness and peace kiss. That is, one of my, that is my favorite verse. That is to me the most romantic verse in the whole world because if you know your truth and you know your love, righteousness and peace kiss, you're getting somewhere. You're getting in the will of God. You are walking where he wants you to walk. So we walk by revelation. When that kiss happens with righteousness and peace, that's the revelation. When that word becomes one because we are one with God. It's beautiful. Genesis 2.18, now the Lord said, it is not good, sufficient, satisfactory that man should be alone. I love this. I will make him a helper, suitable, adaptable, complimentary for him. I like this. He, he wants to give this guy a wife, okay? And she is a helper. And a helper, three ways she helps him. She helps him intellectually. She helps him morally. And she helps him physically. So those are the, those are the, the three elements that a wife is a helper. Because 
I, I, I'm going to go back to this later on, but we are going to enter into Peter later, where we're going to talk about why the wife is a helper. Why is that so important? But in this step right here, we're going to focus on that, the, that God wanted Adam to have a helper. He was going to let him enjoy this world with a mate. What is her rightful place to man? There are three things that identify her rightful place. And this is, this is a little bit of, it's, it's kind of a little bit entertaining. If you notice, she was taken from the rib. Okay? She was not taken from the head to be lord over the man. She was not taken from the, the feet to trample on the man. She was taken from his rib in the center of his body to be equal to man. And see, one of the things that I definitely notice in the body of Christ, and I've noticed in my walk of living and living in this world and, and being a school teacher for 12 years, meeting with parents, being a real estate agent, watching people buy houses together, we're out of order. Women and men are out of order. And Lord starts off the Bible with creating the earth, creating the seas, creating everything, but he creates man and he creates a woman to be an example of how our church should be. So the book all started with a family. It all started with a husband and a wife to learn order. And they had rules to those order and they had jobs to those order. So a woman came from a man. But we all know that later on in the New Testament, the woman is the, is the one that bursts the man's vision that comes directly from God. So who had direct communication with God? Adam. And then Eve had direct communication with Adam. So it goes God down to Adam, over to Eve, over to Eve, equal. Okay? But yet her instruction came from Adam. Adam's instruction came from God. I feel that this is important. Because in society today, I see too many women dominate men. I see too many situations where children dominate the mom. <laughs> I see too many situations where we have to have order. In this ministry, our order is the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the teacher, and the pastor. And we, that is our five-fold ministry, that there has to be unity in that order. And then who's ever married to any of those people in that order have to be, they have to know their place. They have to know their position. They have to know their job. The beautiful thing about that is, is that they're equal. And there were five commands before the fall that was given to Adam, five things that he had to do on this earth. These are five things we are still called to do. Be fruitful. Multiply. Replenish. We are to replenish. We are to exercise dominion, and we do not give to another. We have to exercise the dominion of Christ in us. We have the victory. We have to learn that we have that victory. We have to accept that and grow into that. And this is the only commandment that we don't really abide by today, but we have to be careful from our mouth and meditations of our heart. But refrain, he told Adam, to refrain from the tree of knowledge. Genesis 3.1 says, now the serpent was made more crafty than any living creature of the field which the Lord had made. And Satan said to the woman, I love this, 
Is everybody on Genesis 3.1? Everybody look at that? I want you to circle the word really. Now, in today's society, I don't know how many of you notice this, but the serpent said, can it really be that God said, you shall not eat from every tree of the garden? Okay, that's the first time really is used in the Bible. And who said it? Satan, through a serpent. How many times do we say really in society today? Come on. You have kids that, really, mom? Really? I've done it. Really, Rachel? Oh, my gosh, I am speaking Satan's word. Really has become too overused in our society today. When I first taught this lesson, I have it in pink. Can it really be that God has said, you shall not eat from the tree of the garden? I was like, oh, my God, Satan says really. <laughs> really is an, overword, is an overused word in our society. But the interesting part is, in that is one of the steps that he uses for the transgression. So can it really be that God said that you shall not eat from every tree of the garden? Notice that Satan did not go to Adam. Who did he go to? Eve. He went to Eve through a serpent. Okay? Why? He knew that he needed some help to get Adam. And what's the woman's job? She is the helper. So it's amazing how Satan uses a word a word coming out from a serpent to affect Eve, who and then in turn is going to infect Adam, okay? Because you know what? I will say this, and it says in the word, and I am proud to say this. I don't know if any other woman is in here, and I'm being careful. I'm okay about being the weaker species. You know what I mean? Because the Lord already said that we're smart. We are just sometimes the weaker vessel. We were not created directly from God. We came out of man. Even though we're equal to him, I think when we come, hey, and every man has to lay down his surrender to God and have to submit to him and know that he's the weaker. So we all are weaker. But I think it's very important because I have a passion for this. And it has been prophesied to me many times. I will teach married couples. I will work with married people. Because women need, and men, men need to know where their surrender is with God. And women have that direct connection right now with God. It's in Ephesians. We can go right to him. But we still have to know if we choose a covenant relationship in a marriage, we have to know that submission and that sometimes we are the more emotional. We have to do. A man is humble and meek. A woman is intelligent and submissive. Those are the, those are the fruits of each partner that make a good combination. But in our society today, women have had to become, women have to become stronger because this connection with God and man has gotten weak. So that's put women in having to take positions and take things of control, and they think man can't figure it out. But we are supposed to be the intellect of the man. We are to help them. They get the vision. We put the icing on it. They get the idea. We make it happen. So there's a respect that has to go both ways. And in this case, the serpent was definitely going to go to the weaker vessel because she is intelligent. So what did he have to do? Question her. Make her think. Hmm. She wasn't taking her instruction from Adam, the man who carried the vision. She took her instruction from Satan. Okay? And she was out of order. 
out of order, and that every act of obedience is beautiful. Every act of disobedience is as equally dangerous as shown in here. And so I love this because what Satan did was apply doubt. And she was a thinker. She was an intellect. And she started thinking, well, why can't I have that? Because all they did know was enjoyment. Genesis 2, 16 and 17, in that verse, Satan had twisted and added to what God spoke to Adam. Because he, he was, he, because he brought up doubt. And in Genesis 3, 2, and the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit from the trees of the garden. And Genesis 3, 3, except the fruit from the tree, which is in the middle of the garden. God said, you shall not eat of it. Neither shall you touch it, lest you die. Well, here's the interesting thing. It's amazing how the woman comes from the middle of the man, equal. And where was this tree located? It's located in the middle of the garden, in the middle of the soul. Okay? Because the soul is what we have to renew in the New Testament. We are called to renew the soul. When that tree sat in the middle, it was in between the spirit and the soul because it's the tree of good and evil, the tree of blessing and calamity. So what's, the tree was in the middle of the spiritual war, a war that they did not have to entertain or enter into. But because they did, the spiritual war was on, the start of the spiritual war, the, the start of people's, people's identification of being out of order. So, notice that the tree was in the middle, but the serpent, in 3-4, but the serpent said to the woman, you shall surely die. Now, it doesn't mean that they were going to physically die. They just died to the life and relationship with God because now they got introduced to the darkness and the calamity. It's funny. What was Adam doing during these conversations, right? <laughs> Where was the man naming a bunch of animals, you know? Yeah, well, it's funny because the serpent waited for her to be unattended, <laughs> you know, for the, attack to, for the attack to happen. But there are three steps to this trans, there's three steps that led to this transgression. The first step, the question, the question, the serpent questioned. Anytime somebody questions you, they're trying to get you to think something that's what, what you, we want, I'm sorry. We walk in this, and we know we have a word from God. The word is powerful and living and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing the, soul, piercing the division between the soul and the spirit, joints and marrow, and is the discerner of the true heart, really, where, where you're really at, okay? So we learn a word, right? The word connects. It kisses. It kisses because truth and love come together. So that word is truth. Now what happens? People come to you and they question, are you sure you're doing what's right? Are you sure this is what you're to be doing? If it, when somebody starts to question something, you know, you know, you know, it's kissed and you have righteousness and peace, you, yeah, stand. Don't keep taking the attacks. Okay? Second, second thing of transgression. The word, the word was misquoted. What did he do? He switched the words all around. We need to know the word. That's why I said references of life. These were downloaded by 
a man of an apostolic function, and he put it in order, and he, these are in order, and these are words. If I just decide to add what I wanted to make it sound the way I liked it, I'm losing the power because the word is powerful and sharper because it's truth. It's truth. It's when does it meet love. The third thing, so we can't misquote the word. The third thing, he added, he adds to the word of God. He adds his spin to it. So those are the three things that we noticed that as he was speaking to Eve, he questioned, he misquoted, and he adds additional words by switching it all around. Who, people do that to us. People do that to us every day. People know laws of man, laws of the spirit. We are called to, to follow the laws of man and laws of the spirit, but we know if we're in the spirit, we are of the spirit. And so some of those laws get moved for us, okay, if you were walking in the laws. But do we have to respect the laws of man? Yes, it says in the word. It's amazing how people will take the laws of man and work them against the spirit, putting you in that middle position, in the middle between the soul and the spirit to put you in the middle of confusion. And you have to stand and loving eyes never see. Loving eyes never see. You keep looking up at him, and you're getting the hits. How many people have felt the hits of darkness? Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Right here. You know, and it seems like the more I draw close to him, the more it seems like I have moments where the hits are harder. Yeah, because I'm walking in my purpose. I, you know, and if I'm walking in my purpose, I have that bubble of grace that keeps me happy and protected. But I do have the moments when I feel the world because I feel mercy and I have this mercy thing that I didn't understand, that I've learned to understand. But when I feel the real, when Lord lets me feel the real world sometimes, it hurts. Because the more you grow closer to him and he protects you in that grace, you can look into somebody's eyes and know their pain. But you know what? That's a good place because that's when we can love them. We can love them. I love it when the Lord surrounds me with people that are new to me because I just want to love them. Because if they can feel God's love, love starts the seed of acceleration. It's better than when you meet somebody and they start with God's knowledge. I'd rather start with God's love because the acceleration just comes out. And it's empowering. It's empowering. So, you know, I mean, I can't say it enough. And Verdice, she hears me all the time. Love, love, love. I just... You have to fall in love with Jesus. You have to fall in love with the Lord. You have to fall in love with God in truth. And then, you, then growth happens. Okay. So this is when the spiritual war began because the challenge between Satan and God got established at that time. Satan speaks direct lies combined with just enough truth to give it plausibility. So when he adds his own things, it's a direct lie, but he has just enough truth to pull somebody along. Satan speaks the truth, but he cannot receive the full truth. This is how good Satan is. Satan can speak in tongues. Satan knows the word of God, okay? And it's amazing. When you're up in this third heaven and the Lord releases something for you, what does it have to go through? The second heaven. So who finds out about it? 
Satan. So in our prayer, what happens when the second heaven, when the second heaven, when the second heaven hears it? Principalities, the power and the rulers of darkness of this world, that's when they get sent on assignment. So not only does the Lord know how to give you what your promise is and set that out, as it comes down, second heaven gets a wind of it, but it doesn't really know what it's all about because he doesn't know why it was released. He just knows what he saw coming through. So he doesn't know the beginning from the end. The Lord knows the beginning from the end because he says, okay, it's time for me to give this to Lee. I'm sending this out to Lee. But then who finds it? Satan. And then what happens? Powers, iniquities, darkness, hit. I'm tired, right? Okay. But then I have to stand because Lord always shows us our promises. But how we get them and how they get to us, we don't know the steps. The Lord already knows it, and we can know it from the Spirit, what doesn't go through the second heaven. But when he releases it to occur, that's when everything is to stop you. That's when everything is to stop you. And so it's like a job. You've been praying for a job, praying for a job. You're walking the will of God. You're doing it, and the Lord's opening up all the doors, and he releases the job. Okay, who hears about the job? Satan hears about the job, okay? And then sometimes you get in this, cycles, okay? But you, the job is released, but everything's coming through. Well, you're down here waiting, waiting. I have faith, and I am waiting. But then sometimes we have to tarry, and we have to wait for things but sometimes we start figuring out and doing it ourselves. And then that's what Satan wants to see us doing. He wants to see us try to intellectually figure it out. Because the Lord tells us, he shows us the beginning, but he doesn't show us the end, how we get there. He may show us the promise. He knows the beginning from, Satan doesn't. Satan knows what he was trying to stop us from getting. So we get confused because sometimes when these things are coming to us, called counterfeits, or things that we're not supposed to be yielding to, we think we know the answers, but we're tested. Keep our loving eyes on him. Keep our loving eyes on him and, and be careful about the surroundings and what happens because he'll keep testing us. Even if we fall, he keeps testing us again because that promise is going to get to you. It may happen now or it may happen 10 years from now. When somebody tells me that, I get, oh, 10 years from now? Okay, yeah, I'm, I'm figuring this one out. <laughs> <laughs> trust in God, trust in God, trust in the Lord, Father, you know? But it's amazing how those things really happen. I know that I am speaking to everybody right now, and you have all experienced this. You have all experienced being in the middle. Do you know what I'm saying? You have experienced not knowing, because why? When the spiritual war happened, we got to see everything now. We got to know calamity and blessing. We got to know evil and truth. And now we go, we didn't really want to know that. <laughs> but how could we know it if, you know what I'm saying? If, if, we, if I was Eve, would I have talked to the serpent? Yes. We are all sinners. If I was Eve and it was friendly, you know what I mean? It would suck me right in, you know? So, I mean, but that's where we have to grow in our strength. I, I am thankful for all the experiences, the iniquities, the attacks, and everything. It makes me, I could not be standing here today and be strong, let the Lord be stronger in me if I didn't have everything that I've gone through. I mean, and, that, and it's a journey. But he tells us, beware of the question. Beware of the misquote. Beware of the added words of truth, of twisting truth. 
taking that truth because, because the devil knows a portion of it. So he gives you a little and you go, ah, 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 I got it. I got it. Okay, I'm doing it. Okay, that one wasn't gone. <laughs> I mean, I have done that. And I, I, I do, you know, I mean, I, I am so thankful. I am so thankful for that because we have to learn to be who we're called to be. One of Satan's most effective appeals to humans is to make a God of himself. He tries to convince you, you need to have all that knowledge. That's what he did to Eve. Don't you want to know all the knowledge? And she's like, yeah, why can't I know it? <laughs> you know? And she wanted to have that. This is one thing I talked about last, my, I teach every, every other Wednesday. And the last Wednesday, when we talked about loving God, loving yourself, loving others, when you see in this Christian world, when people are growing, they start gaining, I call it undercurrent pride, not oh, outward arrogance. That's just what it is. That's a person full of pride. But sometimes we still have this darkness around us. But say you have somebody that's here that's all just, you know, full of light and everything, but they start thinking they know it all. How many of you have met a Christian like that? That they grow in the knowledge and then they start seeing themselves as the authority when we have been claimed to have victory and have authority, but a, a humble, humble way, not in a I know it all kind of way. Do you ever have somebody who resists truth, hearing truth? Okay. Well, that's what, that, that's what occurs. That's a pride issue of shame. There's two prides up here, pride of unforgiveness, but that's a pride of shame because somebody's still masking something in themselves if they have to be higher than thou. And that's what the judgment's on right now. In the spiritual world right now, the judgment's on. The judgment's on the Christian who stays to the right side of the Father or the Christian who also plays on the left and says, oh, I know all this, and they puff themselves up. And what happens? They lose the order. They're losing the order. We always have to check to who we are to check to. Man is to check to God. Woman, like right now, I'm a single woman. Jesus is my husband. I check with God, okay? But I do know my covering. I know that I'm under this covering in this ministry, so I check with the apostle because I'm just the teacher. So I check with that. I know my covering and my order. I submit to those things. It's when we become out of order, when we choose to take a mate, and then that mate doesn't take the order. Do you know what I mean? Because she needs to go to her husband. It's got to be, it's an equal thing, but you have to go to him because the man will know where his covering is. The man will know what church you're supposed to be in. The man has that, they, are the, they have a vision they have to accomplish. We green our crown as a woman when we get him to be where he should be. Isn't that romantic? Come on, kiss your husband, you know? I mean, isn't that be that's beautiful because if we can get that if we can get that together, do you know what I mean? The order flows. The unity of the body of Christ can start flowing. All the body parts are in movement. And I'm not saying anything to belittle any woman because I know that our job is equally as important as a man. But I'm not taking a man in my life that doesn't know how to be submissive to God because that's just wasting my time. I've already done that. <laughs> it does not work, and it does have death, and the death is the end you know, of it. You can cry, but he's like, sorry, that's not who I sent you, you know? So it's got to be released from God. Um, so Satan's most effective appeals to human is to make a God of himself. Do not make a God of yourself. 
Genesis 3, 6. And the woman saw that the tree was good, suitable, pleasant for food. And it was delightful to look at and the tree to be desired in order to make one wise. She took its fruit and she ate. And she gave some also to her husband, Adam, and he ate. Threefold temptation just occurred. And it's in 1 John 2, 15 to 17. Lust of the eye, lust of the flesh, pride of life. Pride is the big one before the fall. Lust of the eye. What happened? Saw the tree. It looked pleasant. Lust of the flesh. Delightful to look at. That's the words right from the word. Pride of life. Desire to make wise. Okay? When you know, that's, and it says, in order to make wise, I think that's kind of ironic. Because when you think that you're the God and you're the wise, you're out of order. <laughs> but the sentence says, in order. Okay, you guys get it? Okay, I love it how the Lord will bring the word that's really the fall. You know what I mean? Because when you have the pride of life, desire to make wise, you're giving up the order. You know? Wanted to be as smart as God. They lost, they went from God consciousness walking in the glory to self-consciousness, to self-consciousness. They lost the power to do good and to gain, and they gained the power to do evil. And we all have that. We all have the power to do good, and we have the power to do evil. I have a daughter, and she's 15, and I never forget the first prophet called her up here, and he said, she's a strong girl. She's strong. And he stood up here, and he didn't know her, and he held her hands, and he said, you have the power of strength, the strength of Ezekiel, he told her. And he said, but let me tell you about your power. You are so strong that if you do it for good, you will succeed and get abundantly more than what you could ever imagine. But he said, but believe it or not, if you do it for bad, you will make it work. He already told her that, that her strength it was how she would use it. She would still succeed in either way. But which way would she rather succeed? in the fullness abundance of what the Lord has for you. I, was sit, I stood right here, she was standing right here, and when they said to her, I'm like, okay, that's not good. He just told her that she'll succeed either way. Do you know what I mean? But no, that was good because he told her, he warned her about the badness and the, and the, the, uh, the um, calamity and all the bad things that could happen to her because she has that power. So he warned her. You better think about how you use it. And it was so effective to her. She listened to it. She listened to it. And that was when she was 12. I'm going to tell you, I thank God for that prophet because I got to hear it. I got to hear the word. And then I knew how to parent her because I knew she was strong. But I believed that prophet when he said that because she has a way. I'll never forget the first time she stepped up into my face that we were eye to eye. I felt her power <laughs> because I am more submissive than she is. She has a strongness to her that I actually am a little bit weaker. And I'll never forget, I wanted to spank her. I couldn't spank her. Why? Because she was my same size. And she came up to me with her eyes. I felt her power, okay? So she has the net. Lord's going to use her in strength. The Lord will use her in strength. But Satan is going to try to use her in strength and try to convince her, like Eve, to do the other thing through question, through misquote, through adding to the word, transgressing her. Do we know what our do we know what the skills that God has given us? Have we asked ourselves what are the strengths that God has given us to use for him? I'm an exhorter. I'm a person that the Lord I can get something in and get it out. 
okay? So I have to use that for good. If I sat here and wanted to do decree negative, that's, I'm not going to get the best in abundance, but what is your gifts? And that's one of the things we're going to talk about in one of our next lessons is what is our gifts? What are those things that God has given me to use for his will and for his purpose? Because you can either choose to use it for bad or you can choose to use it for good. And so we sometimes don't know when we're using it for bad. That's the sad thing. We think we're using it for good out of the goodness of our heart, but our ignorance takes us down the wrong, down the wrong road. Because why? The word was twisted. See how this is already applying to your life? Why is it so important? You know, sometimes when you go to Genesis and you get to the beginning, why is this so important? Because knowing the fall helps us conquer and know we have the victory in us. And it knows, it helps us to identify order, order, order. So many people don't like the word authority. I think authority is the most beautiful word because it says that we are not alone. We are not alone. We have somebody of a higher authority to answer to. That just makes you feel protected. At least it does for me. It makes me feel good. And when I know that the man next to me knows God and is with God and, and knows that he's his vision, I'm going to feel protected. And what am I going to do? Protect him. And then he can protect me. And then we know we're doing the will of God. And we become a twofold fighting against principalities, darkness, iniquities. And we know how to war in the spirit. And warring in the spirit is very important, especially in today's time. I actually got to meet with the pastor this morning. Pastor Law asked me to come see him this morning. And we spent all morning together. And he prayed over me. Because sometimes we have to know, that it says in Proverbs 18, our spirit cannot be weakened. So he puts people around you to strengthen your spirit. And as much as he's a pastor and I'm in ministry, we have to strengthen each other. And that's what happened this morning. It wasn't about me. It was about both of us. Okay, because we both share a very common love. So sometimes it's easier to feed into one other person and give back to the other person. And so there's a beauty in that. When the Lord places you under the proper covering, he puts a multitude of counselors to help you to succeed in that covering. What happened to Adam and Eve? They lost their covering. They lost the covering that God gave them. We can't lose our covering. Okay, so they got put out there. And then what happened? Adam was meant to labor. It continues to go on and says he was cursed with laboring the earth when he was born to enjoy the earth. What was Eve? Eve was born now to labor pains, to birth all the children of the earth, and to suffer that labor. Okay? That's the same thing in the spirit. Women labor out the vision the man is given, but yet he has to work the vision. He can't give up on the vision. Because you're not getting where the Lord has sent you. If you give up on your vision and you're looking, I see in your eyes, well, what is that vision? Okay, the more you grow, this is an equipping center. This is to equip the saints. You are here to learn to find out what is your vision. Wives are here to learn how to find out how to help their helper or how to help their husband birth that vision. In fact, it says Ephesians, hold on for a second. I really get excited about this. I don't know if it's Peter. Oh, it's 1 Corinthians 11. Um, 11, 11, and 12. It says, Nevertheless, neither is man independent of woman, nor woman independent of man in the Lord. What is that saying? They have to work together. F 12, for as woman came, key word, circle it, from man, 
even so man also comes, what's that word? What's the word? Is everybody looking at it? You're not there yet. It's 1 Corinthians eleven twelve. For as woman came from man, even so, even so shall man also come, what's the word? But, right, and my version says through, right, through woman, right. But all things are from God. So I think it's interesting. We, the women, get the vision from the man, and it's got to work through us. We have to birth it. That is the order. That's why, I mean, it's really hard. I'm one of six children, and I have a younger brother, and there is the gay um, uh, spirit. I don't know if it's what's it called, the spirit of, um, Bernice, what do they call that? Alternative lifestyle. My younger brother just, you know, he's out of order, and he doesn't realize he's out of order because sometimes he lacked love. He, did, he doesn't really know God's love, so he chooses to live this alternative lifestyle and he hates when he sees beauty in people. It makes him angry. Because why? Iniquities have got the best of him. I know my brother is a great person who has a loving soul and wants to love. But the iniquities have buried him down. Buried him down to the point where as much, he was my little brother. He's 41 years old. I got to, I have to, I was always the one that pulled him along. But his lack of love from what happened to him as a child, because where does everything start when we're younger? Do you know what I mean? And we're trying to work through this stuff. But now he's so buried in that hate to feel good hurts. So sometimes he gets around me. He can't. He, he tried to come in this ministry door. He couldn't do it because it hurt him. No, but he looked at the card, and I said, Leo, where do you think you are on this card? And he went right to this. And I said, praise the Lord, because at least he's speaking his future. <laughs> You know, I mean, when I put the little card in front of him out in that parking lot, where do you see yourself on this card? Because he thinks I've gone completely crazy. Because we grew up in the Episcopal, conservative. He looks at this as out. I look at this as truth, you know, and it's freedom. So, right. And that's, and that's where I love this. For as woman came from man, even so man also comes through woman. Every, every man has someone created. For every, every person has a created partner. Because everybody is born with a calling of the body of Christ. Now, are there special people chosen to be apostles, prophets? We all can prophesy, it says in Corinthians. We all have the ability to prophesy. But to be a prophet, to work in those functions, there are some of you sitting here that you just, we, we have to learn our function. I sat in here for a year and didn't know what my function was. And Mr. Hall kept telling me, you're the teacher. You're, we to watch this. I was like, I'm not the teacher. But then that's what they say. They say when you're chosen, you're chosen, you're, you're, you're chased. <laughs> you don't want the job. You don't want the job. And I can agree with that. But I love this where it also says, um, okay, on 1 Corinthians 11.10, for this reason, the woman ought to have a symbol of authority on her head because of the angels. Now, I want to read because this book expounded on this. And it says the angels represent the script, the spiritual realm that may refer to the efforts of the fallen demonic beings to motivate to pride and to invest themselves wherever they can inspire arrogance. 
the term may also be recalling the original authority that was lost over the Garden of Eden because Eve was uncovered. Because she didn't listen to Adam, she lost her covering. That is, she acted independently of Adam. Okay, so she lost her authority because in her position, she had authority. So when a teacher tries to be an apostle, she, you're out of order. I have no authority. If a pastor tries to be a prophet, they're out of order. You know, we have to walk in our order and know that that provides us authority. It goes on to say, behind the symbolism of wearing the veil is the acknowledgement of mankind's need, need, that means a need, not a want, to show submission to divinely appointed authority if he is to regain the dominion on this earth. So what we have to do is we, have to, we need to show our submission in the position that we were at so we were divinely appointed to if we are to regain the dominion that was lost. True authority comes by submissiveness and both from both men and women, husband and wives, they're all called to the body of Christ. That is our example. That is our example. And so sometimes people get wiggly in churches because the churches are out of order. And churches need to learn their order. And this is, well, that's why we're just a equipping station to get people to know the truth so that they can meet up with their love of God and then they can kiss their righteousness and peace and take it to their church. Take it to their church. There are a lot of churches that do function under orders, but they're so massive, sometimes people just don't get fed individually because we do need to get individual attention. We all want to feel that individual attention. So that's why this is a life center. The purpose is to individually have you grow. You can become a member or you can become a partner. A member means we do have people that come here and this is where they make their home. But then we have people that come on because we're just Saturday nights and they go to their churches on Sunday and they take what they learned. And what are we doing when, we, when we're growing in the gospel? We're to feed it out. We're like, it's like this. If you grow here tonight, then you just help somebody here. If you're here, you just somebody help here, here, and there. Nobody can grow past where you reach. Nobody can, we all need teaching, okay? But we can't get anywhere without somebody being above us, respecting and submitting to authority, knowing that, it, that, knowing that we're learning. So I love that because, you know, when somebody gets, let's say, a lot of the church is here. People are walking out their salvation, but they don't, sometimes there isn't the authority of the person in the house to bring them to the next higher position. And that's one thing that, that's what the judgment's on. All the stuff you're seeing in the news, the birds dying, the fish, you know, it's an hosanna. It's a judgment warning for people not to be walking in the pride, but then to be using the Bible and to be using the word. The judgment is on the house, the church of God. It's not on the lost people. Lost, I mean, why? Because there's forgiveness for ignorance. We're always still to be encouraging the lost, but the judgment is on the church and where the church is right now. So if, if people are acting one way and they know they shouldn't, you need to be getting over before 2012. <laughs> you need to be getting across and over. I say that in love because, you know, I am so thankful that, that I have met people that have helped me grow because we, it, it, and that's just the beauty is we can't sit 
and not be under the right authority. And, I thought, and the best thing about husband and wives is you guys get to do it together because you are equal and learning it. So everybody can take that. Even in, and I, and I do, in Peter, it talks about if you are with somebody who is an unbeliever, you are to be submissive to God's principles and know God's ways. And the Lord will take care of that person. The Lord will raise that person to get there. Or that per- two things are going to happen. That person's going to be so intimidated by your light, they are gone. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Or through your prayer and time, the Lord will help that person see truth and grow. But we all, the one thing we learn in this ministry It's all based on our will. We already have the ability to intellect, to receive knowledge, and we're supposed to be be reasoning with God, not reasoning with the world. Everything should be a vertical relationship, not a horizontal relationship. If it's in the word, if it's in the word, it can happen. And it may be contrary to what what the horizontal relationship is. We need to be vertical with the Lord. And it even reminds us, in Peter, about keeping that vertical relationship. You can't worry about how the world thinks of you and what you do. You worry about what God thinks of you. And if he does something like moves a spouse out of your life or moves you to a different job or makes you sell or give away money or do whatever, if it's coming from God, then that's God's position for you. And you have to yield to it. You can't worry about what everybody else is thinking that's happening around you. We get sucked into going out instead of going up. So, and then what happens is when, we move, is when we shift out, we lose our authority. Because the Lord's like, okay, you're not ready yet. So he lets you go out and learn, pulls you back in, and then you have to keep going up in that vertical relationship with him. So knowing about the fall and how the true fell, fall really happened really helps us know where we are to be. Do not lose your covering like Adam and Eve did. Keep your covering the way it should be. Um, I like how Jean wrote this in this note about here is Adam with the full glory. Eve ate, he ate, they lost their covering. And what happens? The seed of death, the void, gets sat in there. And that void, we try to feed vertically. We feed this vertically, and all it does is get emptied out. And when we look at these spots, these are the things that we feed it with. Sex for approval, non-trusting, fear, man-pleaser, all this stuff that we do, rebellion, pride, controlling, cursing, things that we think are cool, they are coming into us vertically. You see how they're arrows? They come in vertically, and what do they do? They come in, they satisfy you for a little bit, and then poof, it's gone. As we accept the light in us, and we start, I call it batting them out of the park, knocking out the blind spot, the hidden spots. And we start taking away pride, complaining, cursing, things that, you know, we all fall in some of these things. Everybody has done one of these things. And the more we get to knock them out, that little man grows more in us. And then we get less darkness. And the fullness of our life is joy, peace, joy, peace and righteousness. And so, and then we're walking in and we just feel joy, peace, and 